0: Well, let me ask you a question. Have you talked to the Father today? Well, one of you have. How many of you talked to the Father today? Yeah, that's, that's better. Praise the Lord. Because I don't have to say that second part. If you haven't talked to the Father, I don't have to say shame on you. So uh, because I, I don't like to say that. I like to say, well, praise God, you have talked to the Father today. Walk with him, let him talk to you, and just have fellowship. Isn't that wonderful? Amen. Well, turn with me again tonight to the book of Colossians. Isn't the book of Colossians a wonderful book? Oh, my. It straightens us out, doesn't it? Yes, sir. Colossians 1, Colossians 2. Colossians 3, of course, and Colossians 4, oh my, it's a gold mine to help us to have a prayer life, a relationship with the Lord Jesus. I mean, Paul paints a portrait of a person that has a relationship with the Lord. I want you to notice in verse 1 of chapter 3, if... Ye then be risen with Christ, seek those things which are above where Christ sitteth on the right hand of God. My father, I am so thankful for the opportunity to stand in this pulpit where a great man of God stands every week and loves his people and preaches and prays together. Father, I thank you for this honor. And Lord, I pray that you will help me again tonight. Use me, Lord, to be loving and caring and help me to be sensitive to the needs of these people. And Lord, if I can't, as I have said many times, I will have a seat and just allow pastor to do the preaching or someone of his choice. And Lord, I pray tonight with this large of a group, they may be a lost person here, and they know nothing about you. They have never met you. They have heard a little bit about you. But Lord, I pray tonight that it will be the time for them to be introduced to you by the Holy Ghost, and they'll say yes. The greatest invitation of all times, to receive the greatest gift. And Lord, I pray they'll come. Now, Father, please, please help us to be honest with you. Help us not to to quench you, slap you in the face, and hurt you. If we say we have been risen with you, Lord, let us prove it tonight. By the way, we listen to you as you talk to us through your precious word. I love you. Thank you. in Jesus' name. Amen. Colossians chapter 3. Let's review for a few moments and then we'll get right into tonight's message. But look in verse 1. How many of you are born again? Let me see your hands again. Yes. Hallelujah. You've been risen with Christ. Is that not, is that right? You're in the family of God. When you die, you go into heaven, right? All those wonderful things. Well, there are some things that you should be doing, and if you're not doing them, let me tell you: if you know to do good and doeth it not, what is it? It's sin. And if we regard iniquity in our hearts, the Lord will not hear us. So we're going to have to we're going to have to clean up, right? Yes. The Lord said to me 20 years ago, "I want you to call the church back to prayer." And the only way to call the church back to prayer is to preach the essentials to a life of prayer, and make sure that we are doing those things, and make sure those things are in our life active. So in verse 1, it says that we are to seek those those things which are above where Christ sitteth on the right hand of God. And I said to you last night, there's more to it than just seeking God. We are to seek God, not number two, not number three, not number four, not number five, but God should be number one in our life. Matthew chapter 6 and verse 33. Is that not Bible? And so, let me ask you tonight, preaching without application is useless, so I'm going to apply the Word of God to my life and to your life. And the Bible says here, since Brother Beckham has been risen with Christ, I am to be seeking God number one. He should be number one in Brother Beckham's life. Now, he should be number one in your life too. Why? Matthew 6:33, the Word of God, the precious word of God, the King James Bible, says that we are to seek first, not second not third, not fourth, but first, the Kingdom of God. And if we are doing that, God is going to bless us. God is going to be there for us. Amen? When we fall down, He's going to be there to pick us up. And He's going to bless us. He's not going to curse us if we seek Him first buddy, oh my, if we're not seeking Christ first, we're disobeying. And you and you heard, remember that message on obedience? And if we're not being obedient to God and seeking God first, how in the world do you expect to have a relationship with the Lord? So everyone in this room tonight need to ask yourself, am I seeking God? Is God number one in my life? And if the answer is no, you need to, you need to either get up off the pew, come to the altar, kneel your head there in the pew, and say, God, forgive me, please. Amen? God, forgive me, please. And then in verse 2, the Bible says that we are to set our affections on things above, not on things on the earth. Now, the word affection means uh, our mind. We are to be focused upon the things of God. We are not to be thinking about earthly things. We are not to think, uh, be thinking about fleshly things, but we are to be thinking and we are to be focused upon holy things and things from heaven. Amen? Yes. Now let me ask you, are are you focused tonight? Is your mind focused upon the things of God? Do you think about the things of God during the day? Do you think about reading your Bible and following the Bible? Do you let the Holy Spirit uh, lead in your life? Do you have the nine characteristics of the Spirit of God in your life? And and see, we yeah, there's a lot more to this prayer life and having a relationship with God than just muttering a bunch of words and going through a bunch of prayer posture. There's a lot to this. Look at it and let me ask you a question. Have are you seeking God tonight? Are you focused upon the things of God? And then in verse Paul, in verse 4, Paul was able to say, Christ, who is our life. Christ is my life, and if you can't say that tonight, you let Brother Beckham plead with you for a moment. Would you do this? Would you make Christ your life? You say you know him. You say that you're walking with him. You say that you're talking with him. I hope that you're not lying. I hope that that's the truth, but your life will bear it out. Amen? Your life will bear it out. Uh, your mouth, when you open your mouth, it will tell the truth. Your actions will tell the truth. And when we look, when God looks at you, does he see that? Does he see a person that is seeking him, focus upon him, and has made him his, your life? Christ, you're a life. I want you to take me and use me for the glory of God. Can you say that tonight? I hope you can. And then I want you to notice verse 5. The Bible says, and and um, it is the Bible, right? And it's OK to preach the Bible at First Baptist. Amen? OK, listen to it. The Bible says, mortify. What does mortify mean? I told you last night it means that we are to put to dead, or we are to put to death, or we are to crucify. But what are we to crucify? We are to crucify these sexual sins in our lives. And, and uh, you say, oh, that's, that's no problem in my life. That's no problem here at the church. Uh, that's no problem. Well, let me report to you it is a problem. It's a problem everywhere. You can't even ride down the road without seeing some billboard with some uh, sexual something on it. Amen? So the Bible plainly, and I know it makes us feel uncomfortable, but folks, let me tell you, Paul was not talking to a barroom crowd here. Paul was, not, Paul was talking to a local church, and he, had, he was having a deal with this type of stuff. And everywhere I go, I have to deal with this kind of stuff. Why? Because it's in our churches. And we have to get it out of our churches so that we can have a prayer relationship with God. Now look at it. Mortify. Fornication. Now what I'm not going to go through each uh, uh, giving you the scripture as I did last night. Uh, fornication. Uh, flee, the Bible says. Don't stay to reason with it. Because if you do, you're not strong enough to, to, to fight it and get victory over it in your flesh. You got to mortify. You got to flee from it. And then uncleanness, inordinate affection, evil concupiscence, and, and covetousness, which is idolatry. All of these things must be, must be put out of our lives. Every week of my, every time I preach this series, uh, people are walking the aisles. Some nights I, uh, we do the testimony time, and I have seen testimony time go from about eight to nine o'clock at night to about one o'clock in the morning. People standing all over the auditorium, no pumping, uh, no stirring or any of that. I just stand there and watch it. It just happens. And people all over the auditorium begin to stand, and they 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 admit to uh, being being addicted to to uh, pornography, to drugs, to alcohol, to all of this stuff, and they do it publicly. They 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 get it out. They make it make sure that that it's confessed publicly, and they go on with their life. And many of them. Deny night are having victory, and their homes are put back together, and they are having, having, they are living a victorious life, and, and they are happy, happy in the Lord. But you know where it started? It started with saying, I'm addicted. Church, I'm addicted. I need for you to pray for me. I am sorry that I have brought reproach upon this ministry. Father, I am sorry that I have brought reproach upon you. Family, I'm sorry I brought reproach upon you. That's what we need in our churches across America tonight, and that will surely bring revival. Amen. And so those things right there, we have to put to death. And then I want you to notice the message for the night. Look in verse 8 with me. The Bible is telling us, since we have been born again, uh, there are some things that we are to put off if we are going to have a relationship with God. John shook again, uh, a good friend of mine, a good friend of this ministry, was educated here, graduated from here, been at his church now for 25 years, a godly young man, one of the sweetest young men I know on earth. And, um, but uh, I thought, I th- if, if there's a church in North Carolina that, is, that, that I thought was a godly church, it was Bailey Groves Baptist Church. Amen. It was, and if there was a godly pastor in North Carolina, I would say it's John Shook. Yes, sir. But after after sharing f- six weeks of meeting in that church, I I remember like it was last night. People started standing. Some of the sweetest people in the world that I thought in my mind, they started standing and and saying they were mad and they were angry and they were um they didn't like this person they didn't like that person and and uh, they couldn't stand that person and 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 for hours every night for 6 weeks i heard that type of testimony and, and, and that dear pastor stood there and said, Brother Beckham, what, what, what do you do with this? I said, you don't do anything. You just listen and just let it happen. Amen? And so look at, look at verse 8. The Bible says that we are to put off the sin of anger. Now... I said to the, uh, to the uh, Howes Anderson College today that when I preached there at Bailey's Grove Baptist Church, you know what I preached on? Every night for six weeks, same message. Every night for six weeks. You know what I preached on? What are you mad about? What are you mad about? And um, I had no idea that 90% of the church was mad. I had no idea. It was amazing. And um, I was preaching, and and the Lord said, on the way to the church one night, the Lord said, Benny, stop at at a drugstore or a grocery store and buy some dum-dums. You know what a dum-dum is? Not a person. A little sucker about this big. And I bought about 500 of them. And during the message, people was just sitting there, and you could tell their countenance. And I here I am pounding away, Romans, uh, Colossians chapter 3 and verse 8, 9, 10, and 11. And I was pounding away, Brother Wilkins, and I was pounding away with all the love I could muster up in my body, tears running down my face. I was doing everything I could do, and I could just see the countenance of the people, the anger just sitting there looking at me, and I, and I reached into the pulpit, and I pulled out this big old bag of t- dum-dums, and I said, here, take a dum-dum. Preacher, can I? Can they suck on the dum-dum? Sure they can, Brother Beckham. Open it up. Suck on the p- dum-dum. And I had uh, about four or five hundred people sitting before me sucking these little suckers. And as long as they were sucking that sucker, And as long as that sweetness of that candy was going down their throat, they had the sweetest look on their face. They had the sweetest countenance. But all of a sudden, that sweetness was gone. And God said to me, Brother Benny, That's exactly the way it is. When people is being guided by the Holy Ghost of God, they are going to be sweet. They are going to be joyful. They are going to have joy in their heart. They're going to have peace in their heart as long as the Holy Ghost is working in their lives. Amen? I wanted to reach back in my bag and throw out 500 more. Amen? But... We shouldn't have to have a candy to make us sweet. The Holy Ghost should be, should be in our lives and controlling our lives to a point that, that, that anger cannot stay there. It's got to leave. Anger and the Holy Ghost doesn't mix. And where the Holy Ghost is, there shouldn't be no anger. And where we have been risen with Christ, there should not be any anger in our lives. You may have to walk across the aisle tonight. You may have to make a phone call when you get home. You may have to write a letter. You may have to get on the Internet and call somebody or text somebody uh, or email somebody. And you might have to say, I have I have been angry with you, but I, I don't want to be angry anymore. I got right with in the prayer conference at First Baptist Church, and I wanted you to know I love you. Would you forgive me? You think that bring revival? Yes, it will. Look in Ephesians chapter 4, verse 26, 27. The Bible says, be angry, but it also says, sin not. Let not the sun go down upon your wrath. Neither give place to the devil. Do we want to be a praying church? Hello? You can talk back to me. You want to be a praying church? Okay? If you're angry with anyone, mortify it. Get it out of your life. Then you can have a prayer relationship. Amen. Boy, oh boy, I'm telling you, Jesus said, Benny, I want you to love your enemies. I want you to do good to them. I want you to bless them. And those that despitefully use you and persecute you, Benny, I want you to pray for them. Amen? That's the only way Benny Beckham can have a relationship with the Lord and and show for sure that I have been risen with Christ. Yes, sir. Got to get it out of our lives. Young folks, it's not worth it. Mom and Dad, it's not worth it. we got to get rid of this stuff. we got to pray. And we can't pray as long as we have anger, that garment of anger, wearing that garment of anger around. And then notice there is the sin of wrath. James 1, 19 and 20 says, Wherefore, my beloved brethren, let every man be swift to hear, slow to speak, and slow to wrath. For the wrath of man worketh not the righteousness of God. In Galatians chapter 5, uh, verse 19 through 21, the Bible says wrath is listed as a part of the works of the flesh. And the works of the flesh should have no part of a Christian's life. Can I hear an amen? No part, no part, for in the life of a Christian. The works of the flesh should have no part in the life of a Christian. Let me ask you, do you have anger in your heart? Do you have wrath in your heart? Are these things working in your life? Do you refuse to give it up? You refuse, you, you just refuse. You're gonna be angry regardless, folks. You will never have a prayer life. I'm telling you. I'm telling you. And we got we we got performers in the pulpit. We've got entertainers in the pulpit. I call them clowns sometimes. They just do everything but preach the gospel. But I'm telling you, I'm preaching to you the gospel tonight. I'm preaching you the ingredients and the necessities and the essentials to a life of prayer. There is no other way to have a life of prayer than to have these things in check in your life. None at all. And then there's the sin of malice. What is malice, Brother Beckham, It's deep-seated feelings against a person, hatred that lasts on and on, intense, long-lasting bitterness uh, against a person. Would you turn with me to 1 Corinthians chapter 14 and verse 20? The Bible says, brethren, be not children in understanding, howbeit in malice be ye children, but... In understanding, be men. In other words, be not childish. Be a man. Be mature. Amen? Look up here for a moment. North Carolina. I had not remarried yet. Grandson was traveling with me. I pulled up in the yard, in the parking lot. I had just bought my Ford in 207, beautiful gold-colored truck. And I parked it by a brand-new Dodge Ram, custom-painted. I parked a Ford right next to it. Amen? And um, I thought, well, it would be safe right here. As I was walking through the parking lot, I came to this group of people standing outside of the front doors of the church, and they were talking. And they were talking real soft. And, um, but I heard one of them say, I can't believe she did it. Being the evangelist and being the one that was going to preach, I thought, well, this sounds pretty juicy. Let me get some points here. And so I stopped, and, and my ear kind of went in the middle of that group. And they kept talking. I wanted to pull out my pen, Brother Wilkinson, to start taking notes, because that was going to be about a five hour message. It was juicy stuff. I mean, they were enjoying that talk, and I thought, "What in the world?" And um, so I found out that's, that that, and, and and when I found out what they were talking about, I and I'm pretty good about reading the crowd. I'm pretty good at that, and I thought, "Well, somebody, some teenager, that that some some." maybe 18, 19 years old, they got married, they had a tantrum in the parking lot, and she took the keys and keyed that brand new truck. It must be They must be in their teens. <laughs> so I, I'm preaching, and I would say key words to see if, if some teenage couple would bow their head and act like they were guilty. They didn't. So I said some more key words, and I looked around at the 20-year-olds and the 30-year-olds, and none of them, none of them, none of them moved. Said some more key words. I'm looking, trying to find the 50-year-olds now and the 60-year-olds, and I'm preaching, and, and I'm watching. But no one responded. Watch. i would say those key words. Nobody moved. Well, I, I stepped back and I said, surely not. Not in their seventies. I said some more key words. And I saw this lady, and this man, and I saw this lady go. If daggers could have killed me, I'd have been dead. If sight, if I, if it's staring at me, because I could, I could just feel the daggers shooting across the auditorium, coming right at the pulpit, and she was sitting there like this. At that time, my, my flesh wanted to go, but I didn't. I just looked at her with a smile on my face, and just kept a preaching. Seventy-four years old, been married over 50 years, had a tantrum in the truck going to church, got out of the truck, he walked on to the church, and she took her keys and started at the back of the fender, went all the way down to the front on one side, went around on the other side, and went all the way to the metal of that custom painted truck. 74 years old, acted like a child. Amen? You say, oh, Brother Beckham, you don't need to preach that around here. Nobody around here acts that way. No one, no one around here ever does anything like that, and even not even think about that. Let me tell you another one. This lady was 80 years old. and. she said to me, Brother Beckham, you don't need to preach Colossians chapter 3 at our church. This is the most loving church, the most caring church, and the most praying this church that you have ever been in, sir. You don't need to preach this stuff here. Nobody's mad around here. Whew. Okay, ma'am. Thank you. You can have a seat now. And, and she sat down and, and I preached. What are you mad about? I preached Colossians 3 during the week. I preached all these messages there. And she sat back on, on the back row with her arms crossed, just staring me down every night. The Holy Ghost got into the meeting, started s- stirring hearts, started. Sweezing hearts and people started confessing sin all over the church. All over the church, people started standing publicly, confessing anger. And again, Brother Beckham wanted to say, are you listening, ma'am? But I didn't. I didn't. But guess who stood? That lady stood. And she looked at me and she began to cry and she said, Brother Beckham, I'm sorry. She said, I'm mad too. I've been mad since I was in my 30s. Do you understand, Brother Beckham, my husband was 35 years old. We had our life ahead of us. We we had all kind of plans. And God took my husband at the age of 35. And I have been mad at God ever since. I just stood there and looked at her. Tears running down my face. And I saw that lady kneel and ask God to forgive her for being angry at him, being angry at him. See, there's all kinds of, of people that we can get mad at, but we shouldn't be, we shouldn't be. See, I cannot be mad at Brother Wilkerson and still pray. I can't be mad at you folks and still pray. I can't be mad at Jeanette and still pray. I can't be mad at my grandchildren and children and still have a prayer relationship with God. And church, you can't either. This is essential stuff. This is stuff we have to deal with here at First Baptist Church this week. This is a prayer conference, and and if we're going to be a praying people, we're going to have to check it off. Are we seeking God? Are we focused upon God? Are we? Are, is He our life? Or have we mortified and put to death the the sexual sins and that, that that it speak of? Are we have we put off the clothing? of anger and have we put off wrath and have we put off malice. We have to check them off and make sure that they are out of our lives because our country needs us to pray. More so than ever 70 years of living on this earth I've never seen what I'm seeing now. And I'm telling you if we don't get back, if we don't get back, if we don't get back doing what the book says to do, we're doomed. We're doomed. Look at, look at Ephesians chapter four and verse 31. The Bible says, let all bitterness, let all bitterness and wrath and anger, clamor, evil speaking, be put away from you with all malice. Is that in your book, church? Church, hello, is that in your book? With all malice or with all evil, every kind of evil and sort of evil is to be put away. It shouldn't be in our lives. Look at the next one. There is the sin of blasphemy. That is not talking about the blasphemy of the Holy Ghost. That's talking about speech that slanders, insults, hurts, injures, shows contempt. It is railing at somebody. You say, preacher, I'm guilty. Why are you still sitting in the pew? If you're slandering, slandering someone, you need to go and say, I'm sorry. If you have insulted someone, you hurt someone, injured someone, showed contempt to someone, you're railing at them. You need to, to listen. If you really want to have a relationship with God, a walking, talking relationship with God, you're going to have to, uh, swallow your pride. You're going to have to go to that person. You're going to have to ask them to forgive you. Amen. I want you to notice there is the sin of filthy communication. It surprises me sometimes, not now, but when I first started this ministry, it surprised me to hear filthy communication come out of the mouth of church-going people in the parking lots in the foyers of churches. It really did. This actually happened I took my grandson to hear a great preacher. At that time, one of the greatest preachers was that, that, that was living during that year, that, that time of years. And um, um, the, 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 the old guy just, just preached and did a wonderful job. This actually happened. Listen to me. He was a preaching. And all of a sudden, I'm letting you know how, how, how serious this, this sin is. Greatness doesn't mean that you're right with God. Amen. My grandson and I was on the front row, Brother Wilkerson. We were sitting on the front row. And uh, this great man of God was preaching. He was in his 80s. And um, all of a sudden, right there at the last of his sermon, he cussed from the pulpit. My grandson, being about 10 years old, 11 years old, he said, he didn't say, "Granddad." the preacher does. He didn't do that. He said in front of a church full of people, just like this: "Granddad." loud. The preacher cussed. I about went under the pew. I grabbed that little guy. I said, shh. But granddad, you told me that you don't shh. Filthy communication has no place in the life of a Christian. Amen? Filthy communication brings reproach upon our Father, and it hurts him, and it grieves him, and it quenches him. Shouldn't happen, but it does people that claims to be Christians, and the stuff that comes out of the mouth. Let me tell you, what comes out of the mouth is in the heart. We got to clean our hearts up, amen? And the only way we can do that is to be honest with ourselves and to be honest with God. And God will clean you up. Hundreds of people stood in York, Pennsylvania, Bible Baptist Church, and confessed this kind of sin. Someone asked me this week, matter of fact, "Brother Beckham, why do you think that God did what He did at York, Pennsylvania?" And I said, "They cleaned up. They cleaned up. Why? Has God added 50 families to that ministry in the last year and a half? And I'll be back there in April. And I can't wait to get back and just see what God has done since a year and a half ago. Can that happen at First Baptist Church? Can it happen at any other kind of church, uh, Independent Baptist Church? Can that happen everywhere if people would just do right? You can amen it can but i'm telling you it won't happen as long as you don't be honest with yourself and with god and then there's the sin of lying look at this one ephesians 4 25 the bible says wherefore putting away lying speak every man truth with his neighbor for we are members one of another lying. Put it away. So again tonight, we have looked at a very simple elementary kindergarten message. We don't need, we don't need the deep stuff. We, we just need to follow the simple word of God. And this is what the Bible says that we are to do. Now First Baptist Church of Hammond, Indiana, I have learned to love you. I learned to love you a year ago, or two years ago, when Brother Wilkerson had me to come the first time. And, And I fell in love with you. I love your pastor, he knows that. And I love his family. And I would love to see revival break out here, like it has in other places, but that's not up to Brother Beckham. I can just speak for myself. But if everyone in this auditorium will just do, just take your pen and go down that list from verse 1 to verse 11 and just check them. Yes or no, 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 yes or no. And and when you answer all the questions, and the ones that you got yes by, I'm guilty, bring them down to the altar and leave them there. Amen? that will bring revival. That will be the beginning of revival. The problem is we mistake being busy to being spiritual. They have actually taught that in schools across America. You got to be busy, you got to be busy, got to be busy. But folks, I'm here to report to you. Just because you're busy doesn't mean you're spiritual amen? What makes you spiritual is if you are doing these essential things in your life. If you're not doing these things and these things are not active in your life, then you're not spiritual. And I say that with love in my heart to you, but that's, that's the gospel truth. You can knock doors until your hands are bloody. You can read the King James Bible until you go blind, but if you don't have a prayer life, if you're not talking to God, you're not a spiritual person. Amen. You're not if you're not Christ-like unless you're praying. But brother Beckham, I'm tithing. I'm giving the missions. I'm going out soul winning. I'm I'm reading my I'm doing everything, but that that. that that praying stuff that's the hardest thing in the world for me to do now listen to this that is the hardest thing in the world for me to do I can go sewing I can I can do all the other stuff but brother Beckham that 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 praying praying is the hardest thing I can do now listen to what you're saying praying is It's the hardest thing that I have to do in my Christian life. Now think about this. You know what you're saying? Talking to God, talking to your Heavenly Father is the hardest thing in the world. Shouldn't be. Amen? But people says it all the time. I find prayer the hardest thing in the Christian life. Again, let me report to you what you're saying. I find talking to God is just the hardest thing I have to do in my life. What do you think that does to God? What would you, how would you feel, mom and dad? If your children, you heard your children tell some child in the, in the yard, man, talking to my mom and dad, it's a bore. It's the hardest thing in the world to talk to my mom and dad. What would that do to you? That would, I'll tell you what it would do to me. It would rip my heart out to know that my children couldn't even talk to me. And they thought it was hard. Hurts God too. It grieves him. It quenches him. So whatever, whatever you need to do tonight, I pray that you'll do it in a few moments. I pray you'll you'll either bow your head there in the pew or come to the altar. Or if you have to go to somebody and talk to them, I just pray. That we won't just hear the message, but that we will apply it to our lives so that Holy Ghost revival can break loose at the First Baptist Church.